0: Up a series um, that we started oh, about six weeks ago uh, with, the, with the overall theme of, of how you can actually predict your own future. Sounds a little strange, I know, but when you start to think about that idea, and you can go ahead and start the stream whenever you're ready, um, when you start to think about that idea, it really is not that complicated. Because when you observe your own life, when you observe other people's lives, you can see that people start making choices in life and you start to connect the dots. I don't see the red light on. It's not working? Okay, maybe if Justin can try and troubleshoot it, I don't know what's going on with it. We'll see if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll find another way. Um, but you start to connect the dots and when you make choices, you say, well, one choice leads to another choice and one choice leads to another choice and you can see a, a life taking a particular trajectory. A particular direction, a particular pathway. And uh, Jesus tells a little story about a wise and a foolish builder. right? And you remember, the, the wise builder, he, he's, you know, he's a contractor. Let's say, we have a contractor in the room today, and the contract, he decides we have a contractor and a building inspector in the room today. All right? So you guys, you know what I'm talking about. This, this guy is a foolish builder. And uh, he decides to build his house fast, cheap, and he builds it on the sand. He doesn't, he doesn't take into account that while today is a sunny day, a rainy day is coming. He doesn't take into account that one day wind will come, one day a storm will come, one day problems will come, and it's going to test the foundation of the house, and so everybody in the audience, in Jesus' audience, they're like, well, we know where this is going. This guy's house is going to come down like it's going to crash. See, they predicted his future. Uh, but then you have another builder, and this builder's wise. The builder, maybe he sees some sand, but he gets the sand out of the way. He says, no, 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 I'm not building on sand. I'm going to build on rock. If it's recording on the green stick, then it's fine. If the stream... Stream gave out, then we'll just we'll just try and find a way. You you guys signal me if it ever works, okay? I'll keep I'll keep stalling. <laughs> Wait, ah, I see. The light is red. Is it working, Justin? Okay, great. Uh, recording. Okay, okay. So we'll uh, we'll upload it after. Just so you know, we stream this on on Facebook. So um, uh, we're just getting the gizmo working here. So in any case, so you you have two examples there where they take a particular course of action, and you see the result in the end. Because one thing we know, the storms of life are going to come. We can't necessarily predict how bad. We can't necessarily predict when, but we know that they're going to come. The wise builder builds on the rock. The foolish builder builds on the sand. And then we took a practical look at this um, in a little message about, well, how do you in the church... Speaking of building your house on the rock or on the sand, and Jesus uses this as an illustration for life. So you need to build your life on me. And there's two ways you can build. You can build on me, you can build on sand. And we talked about, okay, in the church world, in church life, what do you do? And it was a very, very precise thing we were looking at. Um, I would encourage you to watch it or listen to it Uh, on our website. Watch it on Facebook. To me, that is the most important message that I'll preach all year. I've never heard a sermon on it specifically. What do you do when you are offended in the church? And what do you do when you've offended someone else in the church? Because it happens all the time. But most Christians are woefully unprepared to deal with offense uh and so there's a whole process that you go through and so you can either build your house on the sand which is to handle offense in the way that we often handle it or you can build it on the rock okay so you can listen to that on your own if you like to me it's the most important message you'll hear all year um and then we went a little further we talk about well okay we know that direction is important and the direction that we take in life is important that's true that's true and there's this kind of battle, though, on the ins- between the inside and the outside, between our intention and our action, between our motivation and the actual things that we start doing in the ways that we behave. And often the two are in contradiction and they're not in sync. And you can only hold that contradiction for a certain amount of time. After a while, you're going to snap. You're going to do something. You're going to say something that's going to be destructive and chaotic, and you're going to wonder, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Well, because that battle that was going on where you're able to put up something on the outside that doesn't match what you really think or what you're really dealing with on the inside, eventually you can't hold the contradiction forever and you snap. And, and this, this happens in our lives often. So what you want is you want to say, well, what's inside is flowing outside and it's all godly. And this, this is kind of what happens when, when the fruit of the Spirit is starting to come alive in a person's life. There's no contradiction between the inside and the outside, and what's on the inside naturally flows out to the outside. And then we... we did another message about, okay, how do we really grow spiritually? And I did that from LaSalle, and we streamed it in here, and it worked. And we had on the big screen there, I was in LaSalle, but you saw me here, and it worked really, really well, actually. And uh, so we talked about that, and we talked about, well, what what do we really need to do in order to actually grow spiritually. We talked about, well, how do you even know that you're growing spiritually? There's two ways that you know. The first is, well, you're bearing fruit, and the second is you're actually making disciples. So a Christian can't say that they're actually growing spiritually if A, they have no fruit, and B, they're not making disciples. They may may well be uh, may well be a Christian, but there, there's no evidence of spiritual growth in the person's life. And then we talked about the spiritual discipline smoothie, and what you put into your life to to as a as a series of spiritual disciplines. Remember, not check boxes. And we talked about these myths about Christian growth. Remember, good preaching that's not going to grow you. You may think it will, but it won't. It'll only inspire you. Good preaching, good church programming. You know, age, age is no measure of spiritual growth. A person can be a Christian, quote unquote, be in a church for 50 years and still not have grown up spiritually, right? So we talked about some of those myths and how you have to be intentional to grow spiritually. And then last week, we talked about, okay, why, basic question, do we need to actually follow Jesus, because you can do all of these things, but if you don't have Jesus as your foundation, what you have is nothing. So we talked about why do we need to follow Jesus anyway, we, and we went through a, a really what has now become kind of a famous quote from a, a Canadian psychologist, professor, brilliant guy, and when asked the question about God, he says, well, I, I, I act as if God exists, I behave as if God exists. You we say, well, how can we behave as if God exists? Well, he actually does, and he actually lives through us. And we, we talked about the reason why, and that is because of, uh, um, using a theological term, total depravity. Every part of us is corrupted by sin. Every part of us, our, our, our body, our mind, our emotions, our will, it's all bent out of shape because of sin. So we cannot rescue ourselves, we cannot behave as if God exists unless He actually does, and He's in fact the one who's living through us, then we can actually see our lives begin to change. We, so you know you can follow a mythological Jesus if you want, you can follow a psychological Jesus if you want, but that is not going to transform your life. Not in the long term, it's not going to authentically change us. Paul said to the Corinthians, unless christ has been raised from the dead your faith is useless and you are still in your sins so it has to be a real jesus has to be a real resurrection of jesus from the dead and we talked about this hardest saying of jesus probably in the whole gospel record is when Jesus put this, this idea of following him and having him in your life. He talked about eating his flesh, do you remember? And drinking his blood. You say, what are you talking about? Listen to the message. It's online. You can listen last week. And This is the way that Jesus talked about how you need to have him in you, And you are in him, and he is in you, and that's the foundation of everything. So I want to finish this message today by talking about, all right, all right, we've got all of that straight, we've got all of that more or less, okay, we understand, we understand, but a lot of it seems like there's a whole lot of work that we're doing. It seems like that's a whole lot of us and a whole small amount, or not not a large amount at all, of God. And that, my friends, is not the way that it works, all right? There's a there's a lost, um, uh, uh, another one of these disciplines that I'll, I'll, we talked about the spiritual discipline smoothie, and it's called living by the spirit. So I want to finish the series today, what is living by the spirit? And this is from the passage where, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and we've looked at this a few times uh, over the last few weeks. So let me read it to you out of Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, Paul says. And you say, what does that mean? We'll learn in a few minutes. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. The spirit desires what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, there it is again, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And this is quite graphic, but I'm going to read it anyway, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It's a very graphic list indeed. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, which we've been talking about, is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live in step with the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit or or live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. There you see those terms again. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. What does it mean to live by the Spirit? So you start with Jesus as your foundation, but how does it actually work? that the life of God starts to actually flow through you and you really see him living through you. Yay, 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 put all this stuff in your spiritual discipline smoothie that we talked about a few days ago or a couple of weeks ago, but you have to actually be able to see, okay, God, I actually see God is living through me. How does that work? How does that all fit together? And this is called living by the spirit. Have you in the last week, in the last month, in the last six months, spent any time thinking about the Holy Spirit? Ask yourself the question, have you sat down? Have you meditated? Have you thought about? Have you prayed about? Have you journaled about the Holy Spirit? Most of us, the answer is no. I, think, I guess I think about God or I think about Jesus, but I don't really spend time thinking about the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's, that's a big, big missing thing in many of our lives today. Living by the Spirit then would be quite mysterious to us. So you have to know, first of all, okay, when you talk about living by the Spirit, who or what is the Holy Spirit? So just a little quick crash course for you. The Holy Spirit is both God and person. He is deity and he is personal. So I I hear a lot of Christians and when they refer to the Holy Spirit, they say it. The Holy, it this and it that when referring to the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He shows all of the abilities of personhood in uh, the scripture. And the Holy Spirit is also God. So you can use a fancy term like the Trinity if you want, but he is the third person of the Godhead, okay? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So crash course for you, the Holy Spirit is both deity and person person. He is both of those. And you can see this in in some of these texts that I've put for you here. I'm not going to get into them in great length just for sake of time. But uh, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 8, what you see there, the author of Hebrews, he will take uh, the term God, he will take the term the Holy Spirit. And to him, it's the same thing. So he has God saying something, a quote from the Old Testament, for example, and then he has the Holy Spirit referred to as saying the same thing. And he uses the term he, and he clearly, the author of the book of Hebrews, wants to try and teach people the Holy Spirit is both God and the Holy Spirit is personal. You say, who cares? That's theology. makes no difference to me. Well, when you, when you start to learn, though, from, especially from the pages of the New Testament, it makes a big difference to you. So John 14, for example, Jesus said, I will send another counselor, one who will be with you and who will be in you. So one just like me is coming. He's referring to the person of of the Holy Spirit, one just like him who comes alongside you and who, in fact, will be in you. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, you see uh, uh, Paul is writing to the, the church in Ephesus, and he says, be careful that you do not grieve the Holy Spirit by your behavior. And so the Holy Spirit is personal and the Holy Spirit is God. And guess what? The Holy Spirit lives in you when you decide to follow Christ. So when you make that decision, as we said last week, to cross the line and say, okay, I want to be a follower of Jesus. When you do that and you make that choice, it's a a, Ultimately, it's a choice that you have to make. God calls a person, but a person has to make an intentional, volitional choice. It's not magic. And so when that happens, the Holy Spirit comes to live in the individual. And you see this in Romans chapter 8. Those who have the Spirit of God are sons of God. So we've received the spirit of adoption. So God has adopted us into his family, and we have the Holy Spirit living within us. This is not something that's physical. You can't measure this in science. You can't prove this in using any kind of method that we know that's, that's of the natural world. We're talking about the immaterial. We're talking about matters of the soul or the spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes to live in the believer at the moment that that person crosses the line of faith are you with me so far okay crash course all right so but here's here's the whole thing when you talk about living by the by the spirit okay and paul mentions this in the passage that we just read there is a war there is a tug of war there is a conflict between what the Holy Spirit wants, now that he lives in you, and what the flesh wants, or in some translations, the sinful nature. So here's here's the way that we are as people. We have a will, and we have, if you want to say it this way, we have kind of two natures in conflict within that immaterial part of us the life of God through the person of the Holy Spirit who lives within us and the flesh or the sinful nature. This is not referring to the physical body. It's referring to this kind of bentness within us that wants to transgress the law of God. And you've still got that part of you, even though you may have become a Christian. Are you with me so far? I know this is a bit like a Bible college classroom, but you have this going on. So you have your will and you have the the Holy Spirit life and the flesh life. And you have to decide which way is my will going to go today. Is it going to go the way of the flesh or is it going to go the way of the spirit? You make that decision every single day. Whether you realize it or you don't, you decide. And when you become a Christian, you actually have the ability to decide, all right, which way am I going to go? Before a person is a Christian, they're, as Paul says, a slave to sin. When you become a Christian, you now have the ability to say, okay, now I can choose. Am I going to go the way of the spirit or am I going to go the way of the flesh? Where will I yield my will? And you see it in the way that you behave. That's how you see where your will has gone. So when you yield your will to the flesh or to the sinful nature, you have a list there uh, that Paul writes in Galatians 5. Probably at some point in the future, it may become illegal to read that list that I just read. Because it is so graphic and with what is going on in the world today, especially here in the West, and especially when it comes to terms like sexual immorality and how that's defined, it may actually become illegal to read that passage of scripture that I just read from Galatians. So, but this is what happens when a person yields their will over to the sinful nature. There's sexual immorality in all kinds of forms. So I'll, I'll, I'll define this really quickly for you all right? Um, uh, Sexual immorality, when you look into the pages of the Bible, is any kind of relationship, any kind of sexual relationship, and I'll be careful because I know there's kids in the room, but they know more than you think you know, mom and dad, Uh, any kind of sexual relationship outside of the boundaries of marriage. Nowadays, we have to define marriage, okay? That's one biological male And one biological female who make a public covenant for life before God and the state, that's marriage. Okay, so any any sexual relationship outside of that would be by the New Testament definition, the whole Bible definition, immorality. Are we clear? Okay, so one biological male, one biological female, married for life, that's, that's, God created people that way. God created us as sexual beings, okay? So there's, he's not anti that, it's just he puts boundaries in place to protect people. And when we step outside of those boundaries, we cause destruction, we cause chaos, either to ourselves or to other people, or in many cases, both. Us and to the other person. Then he gets into another list there, or another type of sin idolatry, witchcraft. And today this could be anything where, you know, various forms of the occult and people seeking other gods besides the one true God. This is the way Paul would define it. Then he talks about some relational things, hatred, discord, dissensions, factions. These all have to do with relationships. Uh, You can see these kinds of things in, in small businesses or even large businesses. You see them in churches, when there's infighting, when there's rebellion, when there's dissension, when there's gossip. These kinds of things create discord, dissension, factions, hatred. Then he talks about fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness. So this is what happens when a person yields their will over to the dark side, if you will. And you still can do that even though you've made a decision to follow Jesus. You still, if you want to, you can yield yourself over to the flesh. And when you do that, you will see these types of behavior, again, causing chaos and destruction in your life and the lives of other people. Or you can yield your will over to the Spirit, in which case this is what's supposed to flow out, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is what comes out of the person's life as they yield their will on a consistent basis to the Spirit of God. And Paul drops in a passage in Galatians chapter 5 out of the Levitical law. It was one of Jesus' favorite passages, love your neighbor as yourself. If you're doing that and that's your overall banner and you're submitting your will to the spirit and you're putting all those spiritual disciplines we talked about in your smoothie and your foundation is Christ, you're going to see those characteristics come out of your life, okay? And then you see these terms that Paul uses. Live by the spirit, be led by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit, so to please the spirit. So he clearly has in his mind it is a necessity for a Christ follower to be yielding themselves on a constant basis to the person of the Holy Spirit. So he is not someone who we should not be thinking about, should not be meditating about, and should not be. We should be constantly thinking, how am I doing in yielding myself? to the Spirit of God. You talk about that hymn that we sung at the beginning, take my life and let it be consecrated to you. So that's the idea. You're saying, God, today, I'm going to walk by your Spirit. So how do you do this? Just some practical tips before we finish up today. And uh, we're going to do communion before we end. Just some practical tips, really practical stuff for you, because I find this is so mysterious to most people. Number one, you've got to pray. You remember that's part of your spiritual discipline smoothie, all right? Don't think that you can communicate with the Spirit of God if you don't pray. It's a very difficult endeavor. As you learn to pray, as you learn the spiritual discipline of prayer, you will begin to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You will start to, to learn to meditate on Him and start to learn to yield yourself to Him. You've got to pray. Number two, you've got to listen because it's clear in the Bible, the Holy Spirit communicates with people. He speaks to people. He leads people. He teaches people. He appoints people. Um, He he clearly communicates with people. You've got to listen. If you want to be directed by the Spirit of God, you've got to learn to listen. Listen. And just, a, just as an aside, you, you should probably read in the Old Testament, there's a great illustration of this in 1 Kings chapter 19, the life of Elijah. It's worth another message all on its own. But if some of you know the story, Elijah has this incredible dramatic showdown with, uh, with the prophets of, of Baal and Ashtoreth. Uh, You remember on Mount Carmel and they have this showdown with, you know, which God is the real God. Let's put the sacrifice out and let's see what fire comes down. Then that'll prove who the real God is. Do you know this story from first Kings chapter 19? Okay. It's a really dramatic, dramatic story. And so of course, Elijah wins the whole confrontation and it's big dramatic ending. And then a strange thing happens. Ahab's wife, uh, whose name was Wow, that's good. Yeah, Jezebel. So Jezebel, she says to Elijah after this incredible, dramatic thing, she says, Elijah, I'm 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 going to execute you. <laughs> and you've done all this to all these false prophets, or who you think are false prophets. I'm I'm coming for you, Elijah. You better run because he, I, I'm gonna kill you. And that's and she threatens him. And Elijah even though he just came off of this dramatic, dramatic victory, he is terrified of this woman and he runs for his life. Do you, do you know the story? He runs for his life. And a lot of scholars say that Elijah went into a very deep depression at that moment because his behavior, it shows a lot of signs of depression. He can't eat. He's exhausted. He wants to die. He's He's negative like you wouldn't believe. And he just came off the heels of this huge victory. It's a really interesting study in depression, actually, if you look at the prophet Elijah. And so um, God says to him, he he flees the scene and he goes even further and he's kind of in hiding. Then God actually uh, communicates with Elijah. And Elijah pours out all of his complaints and all this to God. And God says to him, listen, go over to this place for I'm about to pass by, or in the language there, the Lord is about to pass by. And that would mean, okay, God's going to say something. I'm going to say something very specific to you. So Elijah does what he's told. And, and so there's, there's three things that happen. You've got the, 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 I call them the earth, wind, and fire. You know the old band, earth, wind, and fire? Just remember it that way, earth, wind, and fire. So you know who those guys are, earth, wind, and fire. Yeah. So the, the earth, the earth there's a huge earthquake. And, the, and the, in First Kings, it says, but God was not in the earthquake. And then there was the wind, but God was not in the wind. And then there was fire. God was not in the fire. But then there was a still, small voice, a still, small voice. When you're listening, don't listen for drama. Sometimes that's what we do. We say, God, if God's going to speak to me, if God's going to lead me, it's going to be this big, dramatic thing. He's going to write it on the wall. He's going to show up in a dream. It's going to be some big drama. Most of the time when God speaks to you, listen to me, and young people, listen to me. Most of the time when God speaks to you, it's in a still, small voice. And that still small voice may determine the course of your entire future. If you listen closely, he will speak to you. Maybe it's not even an audible voice. It's a nudge. It's a prodding. It's a, it's a prompting, but it's clear, the still small voice. And most of the time, that's the way God speaks. Sometimes it's through drama, sure. But most of the time, it's in the practical everyday thing if we will just be quiet and listen still small voice he will tell you what job you should take he will tell you where you should live he will tell you who you should marry all the things that you want to know if you will slow down and listen for that still small voice and then you walk so pray listen walk And do the same thing all over again. Pray, listen, walk, repeat. Pray, listen, walk, repeat. (laughs) Pray, listen, walk, repeat. And lo and behold, and everything else is, 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 is operating, right? Your spiritual discipline smoothie. You got your foundation on Jesus. Pray, listen, walk, repeat. You are going to see amazing things happen in your life. But you have to be intentional. It's not magic. It's very, very practical, uh, the life of being led by the Holy Spirit.